Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. A vacation that uh, got diverted for a couple of days for a funeral in McMechan, West Virginia. You know where McMechan, West Virginia is, Craig? I actually have no idea. Is it anywhere like on Route 7 or anything? <laughs> it is just only, south, I think, I, it's just south of Wheeling, West Virginia. So you, you know where that is because it's just outside of, you know, it really is. Wheeling, West Virginia, I always try to explain this to people when I go, oh, my wife's from West Virginia. It's not like she's that far away from Pittsburgh. I mean, it's like a 40-minute drive, Okay. I mean, like, it's not a big deal. I did radio down there for a little while on 100.5 Womp FM. And right around the turn of the millennia, I was on the air there during 9-11, and I think I left maybe a month later and went to Reno, Nevada. But that was one of my radio stops in my morning rock radio career, it, eons ago, back when I was young and I was cool. But uh, um, I met her down there because she was a sales girl, and unfortunately, we were down in Florida. You did a wonderful job covering while I was gone, and I appreciate you so much. And, and I'm down in Florida, and uh, towards the end of the trip, we find out that my wife's grandmother had passed away. And so now, instead of heading home, we must stop on the way home for a couple of days for a West Virginia funeral, which is a sight to behold, my friend. It's everything you expect <laughs> it to be. <laughs> I mean, there's, there was one guy. He got himself all duded up. He put on his gray Crocs and his stonewashed jeans and his purple tie-dye T-shirt just to be there for his great-grandmother's funeral. It was amazing. It was everything you would expect it to be. How many pairs of black jeans did you see? Because those are the dress jeans. Well, here's the thing. We weren't prepared for a funeral. We knew the only way we were going to make it is if we just stopped because we we were coming back, and we're like, all right, we're just going to stop, right? So we never got to go home. And so I was like, well, and, and, my, and we were all concerned. Like My wife was like, well, maybe we should go grab some clothes here and whatever. I'm like, ah. I've been with these people for a few years. I, I used to live down here. I know what this is like. We will not be the worst dressed people there. And I'm standing there in blue <laughs> jeans and like a flannel t-shirt, and they made me a pallbearer because I look that good. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, but anyway, I mean, like, so I will tell you one other thing. The worst journey coming back from my, my kids' spring break up I-95 like, the moment I got free and I was able to work my way over to 77 and start coming north from Florida, fine. But we had to stop over in Hilton Head because we, we had to go see uh, a relative. And we're, we're on our way there, and I have to work my way up from Clearwater Beach. And so the moment I join all the folks from New Jersey and New York, and, and I'm telling you, I saw Pennsylvania plates, and I saw Steelers stickers and Pirates stickers coming back, and you all were fine. 
These are my people. They get in the right lane when they're supposed to. They get in the left lane when they're supposed to. The New Yorkers, the New Jerseyans, the, the folks from Boston, the folks with the main license plates, the, the, the East Coast, the ones right on the coast, North Carolinans, the worst human beings on the face of the earth, Craig. The worst. I've never met a more entitled group of people than people that live right along the Atlantic Ocean, except for maybe when I lived out in California and the people that were right on the Pacific Ocean when I met them. If you live right next to an ocean, I've decided you're a jag. Like, I mean, they're the worst drivers. The amount of road rage things that I watched and brake checking and people like leaning out the window and screaming at each other and terrible drive. It was awful. If you took 50 miles, the first 50 miles of the coming from the Atlantic Ocean inland and you dropped it off into the ocean and just swept everybody away, the world would be a better place. All of our problems may be solved. I have decided that these are the problems in the entire, after two days on the road with them, trying to get to where I was going. I'm done with all of them, Craig. I'm done with them. And I hate all their sports teams even more than I used to. So I hope the Pirates just destroy the Mets this year every single time they play them. Yeah. Boo Mets, boo Yankees, boo Red Sox, boo Pirates. Pirates. They were brutal. I'm telling you, right now there's guys who are listening to this show who are in that mess with me on I-95 over the weekend who then probably like the same thing I had to do on Sunday when it was that torrential rainstorm, had to go down, had to come up through the mountains, you know, and, and had to do that in just the pouring rain. I was with you on that road, okay? We're brothers for life now. Brothers and sisters, if you were on that road with me, we're like blood brothers after going through that hellish two days coming out of spring break in Florida and driving with these morons for the first day. And then when we got away from them, we had to go through a horrible thunderstorm through the Appalachians. We are brothers now, okay? I just want everybody to know that. And the Pirates are winning! So it's a glorious day. Yeah, it's good to be have you back, Chris, and, and to talk some Pirates, because at this point in time, if you told me the Pirates, as we're recording, are 10-7, and 7, I mean, I may have believed that we blew out the Rockies just because the Rockies aren't playing very well, but you still have to play the teams that are put in front of you. If you told me that we were 10-7 and 7 and that, you know, we took, we split the series in St. Louis, I don't know if I would have believed you in this time, especially when you're missing O'Neill Cruz, but kind of what we had been talking about, Chris, was that if your starting pitching is strong, it is enough to keep you in games and keep you winning games. And hopefully that is something that continues. Obviously, you know, right now there's seven quality starts in a row. That's not something that can continue. And for people that don't know what a quality start is, it's, it's something we've talked about on this program before, and it's it's a good thing, but it's also not like it's a great thing. It's something that will keep your team in a game, but what is it, Chris, that if, if you get a quality start, you could have a ERA of, what was it? Was it 425 or 450? Well, it would be 450 considered... because you get, it's, it, well, hold on a second. Let's make sure we got this right. Yeah. So here's the thing. It would be three runs over six innings is a quality start. You got to make it. You got to make it six innings and give up three runs or less. So the highest your ERA would be if you did that would be four fifty. That, that's that's exactly right. That's that's where I believe that that falls because you're going to get three. You're yeah. That I'm doing my math right here. I'm still discombobulated from the drive. Four fifty. So I mean that's not that's not impressive. You need to at least get a quality start. If you're not getting that, things are bad. Yeah, because we did get, you know, better than a a quality start from a Johan Oviedo. Johan Oviedo went, you know, seven innings, one earned run, 
was striking out everybody. I believe he struck out the side at some point in time in there. Ended up with 10 strikeouts. So it's not like it was just, you know, everybody got six and three runs. I mean, that's what Mitch Keller got. But everybody else, I believe, was was less than two runs. So it was definitely keeping us in games. And it's where, like, there is that difficulty piece of this is that you don't and it was something we mentioned before the season started, Chris, that we didn't have enough bullpen pieces. I mean, even with – we were lucky, you know, the Pirates came out last night, like, absolutely swinging. Yeah, you know, Rich Hill gave you another one of those quality starts, was worried about Dick Mountain in the mountains. Because he had given up a decent amount of home runs, you know, of course in Cincinnati, but then also at the home opener – you know, he was giving up, you know, a lot of fly balls. And that's, that's something that could happen to Vince Velasquez tonight because he's actually a, a fly ball pitcher. But if you're giving those quality starts, it kind of can, at least for a time, mask where you may have other stuff. I mean, I don't want to talk about a team that's 10-7 and 7 and say, you know, they've done all of these terrible things. But when you start to get all these quality starts from your pitchers, if you have a solid rotation – I mean, it can at least give you a chance to stay in the game. And even the games that we lost, we lost one in in extra innings in St. Louis. We were in the one that Johan Oviedo was pitching into the eighth inning. We were only down one nothing. But yeah, I mean, the quality start thing has been great for us. I just, you can't expect that type of thing to continue. You also can't expect 14 runs in a game. I mean, they're finding different ways to win. The biggest thing to me uh, when I talked to John Wayner last week is that, you know, the team is having fun. They have a home run sword. They're doing celebrations. They are, you know, supporting each other. They're behind each other. But, I mean, I'm hoping this can continue as long as possible, obviously. But I'm also the type of person that's a a glass, you know, half-empty type of guy by nature. I'm waiting for the, the boot to fall uh, we saw that happen in the extra inning game on Sunday. Will Crow was one of, I believe, three pitchers available for that game just because they had used up their bullpen even to a decent amount with the quality starts. I mean, even if a guy goes six innings, that means you're still filling in three innings and we're on, I think, a, a streak where we're playing like 17 games in like 17 days. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. You know what I love about this? I love that you just called yourself a glass half empty when you have many times 
been so rosy about everything, and I've been the one to bring you back to Earth. So here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get rosy for a moment, all right? Because what did we talk about in the, in the offseason and during spring training? What, what I, I know what I said I wanted, I think you agreed with me, is that I wanted to see a team at this stage of the rebuild learn how to win, get a little bit of a vibe, start showing that they that they, they know how to win games and not be another 100-loss team, and start finding the pieces that are going to be with you that you're building around as you move out of the rebuild and turn into a competitive team. This team's not going to you know, win a World Series this year, even though they're off to a winning record to start very early on. They're not going to do that. They're going to have their, their bad moments. But if they're having fun and you're starting to see guys come out of the woodwork who, who are showing some talent and you're seeing some progression amongst players, be happy and excited about it. It's going to be a fun year. What what did I say I wanted at the beginning of the year? I wanted a team that came out and competed. I wanted a team that that surprised you where you were sitting there early in the season going, oh, look at this. Look at this. We're playing winning baseball. I don't think you're going to hold it up for 162 because you're not at that stage yet. But this is what you wanted. Be excited about it. I want to read this uh, this player profile. I was making some moves on my fantasy baseball team, you know, in the league where I always win and you you never win. Yeah. Um, I, I was making a move. I can't believe you didn't make the move that I made. I, I want to read the, the, the player profile that was sent out as the list of guys on the waiver wire that you may want to pick up for your fantasy baseball team. You got the same email I got. Somehow you missed it. I don't know how you did this. Okay. And, but, but I was like, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what am I, what am I thinking? Pick him up immediately. Uh, here's what it says. What if I told you about a strapping six foot five, 245 pound hurler whose fastball regularly touches 99, whose slider regularly touches 91 and who so far has had no issue finding the strike zone. You'd be pretty excited, right? Well, not Craig. You didn't pick him up. Well, that describes Johan Oviedo. To a T, one start after shutting out the White Sox over six and two-thirds innings, registering 18 swinging strikes on 89 pitches, he threw seven one-run innings against the Cardinals, striking out 10. He issued just one walk between the two starts, he added about three miles per hour to that slider from a year ago, and it has turned him into a legitimate bat misser. Of course, pitching for the Pirates is an ideal, but for a waiver wire pickup, the upside here is enticing. He's got a 1.200 whip. Walks and hits per innings pitch. You know I'm a big whip guy. I love when you can keep guys off base. And that includes the terrible first start that he had at the beginning of the season. He was never intended to be part of the rotation. I will take a bullpen that is struggling a little bit because he's not in it to find a starting pitcher that may, if he can keep this up and continue to develop and they, and they, and, and we see continued growth from him could be a surprise of the rebuild that ends up in this rotation for several years to come. What the heck? He's only 25 years old and this has been a fun last few games from him. What do you see in him? I saw a lot that I liked about him. I mean, he was just freezing batters for the Cardinals. Of course, I believe that night, you know, Nolan Arenado probably went three for three, and, and Brennan Donovan, who's a, who's a pretty good hitter, were able to be patient and and were doing pretty well against him. But for a lineup that you know was hitting the ball fairly well, he, he we actually probably could have won that game if you know the Cardinals didn't make like five or six ridiculous defensive plays. Johan Oviedo has 
I wouldn't say surprise me because I will say surprise me to a certain degree because he did pitch pretty well at the end of last year. I saw him as possibly starting out, you know, as the long reliever in the bullpen at the beginning of the season if JT Brubaker doesn't get injured. Man, I'm glad he didn't. Because, I mean, he has just looked like, he's looked like the most dominant pitcher in our rotation. And that's like something, Chris, that, that I'm looking at right here is and we look at whip and I earlier today pulled up the, you know, Pirates pitchers whips because that's what I'm always looking at because people were like, you know, why aren't you worried about Rich Hill when I was saying, oh, I'm not really worried too much worried about Rich Hill. And they were like, well, but he, he looked pretty bad in the second start. I'm like, well, he didn't look terrible in Cincinnati. Yeah, he gave up a couple home runs, but he only gave up like three runs. And he was he's like a veteran. He's able to kind of pull that down. And it's because his his whip was like right in the low 1.30. So I said, that's a that's a back end of the rotation guy. That's it, that's a solid guy. If you wanted him to be your 3-4-5, okay, I'll take it. Like you said, Johan Oviedo, 1.20. Even Mitch Keller, you know, after walking a decent amount of guys and, and not having the greatest first start, it's like a 1.352. I mean, that's that's a major league starter. Right. I mean, it's not a top of your rotation guy. No. Right. Like he's not he's not an ace with that. But we're early in the season and he habitually keeps his whip down below one point three zero. And so, like, yeah, I mean, look, I'm happy with all those guys and I'm not even worried about Contreras. I'm not. OK, I know his whips one point seven three three. I get that. But did you did you check out his fielding independent pitching? And for those that don't understand exactly what that is. That stat measures the pitcher's effectiveness at stopping home runs, walks, hit-by-pitches, and and creating strikeouts. Basically, it's what he is no matter who's out in the field, the things he can control. His ERA might be a 6. His whip might be 1.733, but his FIP is 3.66, which means he hasn't gotten the greatest defensive effort behind him. So I'm not as concerned with him because I believe with the early sample size, we will see the other metrics correct themselves when he gets maybe a, a play that happens behind him when he, you know, he doesn't have some bad luck. It's almost like he's had bad luck with what's going on behind him after he releases the ball. Yeah. I mean, I did see him. I mean, he battled um, in the last start in St. Louis on Saturday I was definitely worried about him hitting his spots at times because I believe it was maybe the second or third batter he faced. Like the ball just kind of completely sailed on him. And it kind of seemed like that he didn't know exactly where his pitches were going, but he was able to, you know, make it through. And, and that's something that, you know, Mitch Keller has done already this year as well. So it, it's good to see them not completely lose it. When they don't have it, when, you know, stuff might not be going great behind them. I mean, he was still in place for, you know, where he could possibly be the winning pitcher of record at some point in time. So, I mean, yeah, I it's that's just the one thing that kind of scared me. And, and I know that the, the FIP is, is where it's at. But when I looked at the whip and I'm like, okay, Will Crow is somebody who's pitched absolutely horrible this year. And Rob's a Strisney are the only two people and he's on the IL because he pretty much threw out his arm on Saturday. And then Chase Young, who's like right around him or a little bit below him is, is also on the IL and, you know, Dowry Moretta who either strikes somebody out or walks them and, and has, you know, been a good part of this bullpen at times, but it's, he's been inconsistent. That's why 
you know, the Reds had moved him, you know, down to the uh, to the minors at some point in time last year because he has been inconsistent. But, yeah, I mean, all these things are sh- small sample sizes, but that's like the things that stuck out to me is Johan Oviedo up at the top, Rowanzi Contreras the whole way down at the bottom, and everybody's complaining about Rich Hill. And I was just like, Rich Hill's going to be who he is. Rich Hill's been who he has been for the past 18 years of his career, it, the, it's going to write itself at some point in time here, unless he completely somehow loses it at some point in time during the season. I look for him to just kind of remain, you know, the consistent person within the system. And I mean, with the bullpen usage, that's like been a big thing here is like, you know, why don't you let David Bednar pitch two innings? Why are you putting Will Crow in? In the tenth, and I'm thinking of well, myself. Not, but well, but why? But why? I mean, here's here's the thing, folks. Why are you trying to win enough games to win a championship this year? Is your intention to put too much strain on da- David Bednar's arm? No, you're 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 still coming out of this thing. This is great that you're winning games. I love that you're winning games. You should love that they're winning games. But you're not going to call on a guy to do more than what you. Anything that could, if you start pitching David Bednar longer than what he's comfortable doing, or you expose him a little bit too much, and you you damage him in some way, how does that benefit your road to a title? I, I guess that's my thing with it. Like I I get that there's in fandom you want to win every time, right? What was who's that? What was that guy? The the, the football coach who yelled at. Uh, um, I can't remember his name, but he was sitting there and he, he was like he was like you play to win the game, right? Tony was, Dungy, he was, wasn't it? No, it wasn't him. It was wasn't it? him. Herm, Herm, whatever. Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards, that's right. Okay. Couldn't I could I pictured his face. I knew it was Herm. Okay. Anyway, Herm Edwards, when he with his you play to win the game. And everybody's questioning him, like, well, why would you why would you do that? Didn't you have a better chance to win the game if you would have done it this way? Because he was, he had that tunnel vision. Sometimes fans can have that tunnel vision, okay, like Herm Edwards in that moment. All right? Because you want to win every game. You you bought a ticket, you're standing there, you're watching the game. Paid money for hot dogs, got yourself a couple of beers, brought the kids out. You know, your wife went out on a cold night and you kept saying like, hey, maybe you should bring your sweatshirt. And she's like, no, no, it's a beautiful day. You know, it's going to get cold down there. Oh, no, no, no. And then in the fifth inning, you're buying like a $50 hoodie. It's happened to me. Okay. So I know it may have happened to you. So you're aggravated because David Bednar wasn't used for more innings than what they used him for. I get it. I understand. But in the long run. I think you guys got to focus on the fact that you're seeing some good things and they're finding some they're finding some consistency. Look, what they went out and did this year was exactly what we said they needed to do. They needed to start finding pieces that were going to be consistent and allow the the those that needed to grow to grow around them. Let, let, here, let let's look at the at the at the the batting stats for this team, just as an example, okay? Because I I brought them up here in front of me. You brought McCutcheon back. He's got a 157 OPS plus, 946 OPS. All right. You added Santana. He's giving you a 100 OPS plus at this point, a 738, which is at least at least league average. Okay. Delay is giving you a 111 OPS plus. Uh, Brian Reynolds is killing the ball. We all know that. And and then you got when I look at it, and Connor Joe coming off the bench with a 147 OPS plus a 909 OPS. Just adding in those pieces. I mean, if you go back and you look at what the Pirates had last year in terms of guys that were over league average for OPS, we talked about this in the offseason. They didn't have anybody. 
that was able to do that besides O'Neal, Cruz, and Brian Reynolds. By the way, Cruz was over 100 again OPS plus before he got himself injured. They had a very hard time finding it. Like, Jack Sawinski is, I think, at like a 104, and he was at a 100. He was right at league average. What they've done is when they went out and got these other guys that they, they, they sprinkled in this year, they didn't go out and sprinkle in players that can't perform at the plate. They, they didn't go out and get garbage. They actually got a couple of guys that could produce. Now it's on the young guys. Now it's on the core. Now it's on the guys that are trying to develop to develop. And so I like what they've done with that. They've done the same thing with their pitching staff, with Rich Hill being Rich Hill. I'm not I'm not focusing on we need to do this little thing here to win this game. I'm focusing more on the big picture of are the guys that I need to see come along, come along. You were telling me, we were sitting here chatting before we even turned on the microphones, I believe, and you're sitting there telling me like, well, you know, uh, Brian Hayes looks like he's hitting the ball hard. Yeah, but he, I'm not getting the results that I want from him. I want more than what I'm getting right now. Yeah, and I mean, he did hit like a monster blast uh, to open up the game on Saturday. Still hitting the ball very hard. Uh, last night, in one of his last at-bats in Colorado, he he had his usual like in-and-out swing for some reason. It's, it's a very it's a very Cabrian Hayes-like hit where he hits the ball hard. He's hitting it the way that it's being thrown to him, and it, it just gets to somebody. I've... I've kind of been on this the whole time, and we've talked about this a million times. I just want Cabrian Hayes to be league average, and I think he will work his way back up to that. Got off to a little bit of a rough start, but a 65 OPS plus is obviously not going to catch it. You know, if he can go up a little bit, if Jack Sawinski, who started off the season through the first week, I mean, looking like people were asking him to be DFA'd and to bring up Travis Swaggerty, if he can continue to hit the way that, you know, he may not be the best hitter in the world. He may not develop into, you know, a Brian Reynolds with his 148 OPS plus. But that's the other part of this is that, I mean, I look back to teams that like are championship caliber type teams. I mean, there are some teams that are absolutely stacked, but when the Pirates were last competitive, it was pretty much like, Okay, we got Andrew McCutcheon, we got Starling Marte, and we got a lot of guys who do certain things well, and they're good role players, and they're at least average to above average. If if you want a team of superstars, I don't know if that's going to fall into the Pirates' lap. But what I do like to see is like the one you pointed out is a Connor Joe, not called upon all the time, but when he is called upon is hitting the ball well. And he's a guy that also has years of control left in him. You know, well, that's, that's the thing though, but that's, that, that's the thing. I think I, I, I might not have explained it perfectly. So I want to, I want to circle back. That's the thing that is encouraging to me too. It's encouraging to me that the front office was able to identify guys that were within their budget, that they were able to sprinkle in that at least right now are elevating the team. Right. I mean, imagine what you could do if you actually had some money from the owner. And imagine if you could do it with a little bit of money and some of your core pieces and your young players started to like continue to develop and they got a little bit better at the plate and they grew into what you're hoping for them to be, what you could be. The hope is there because what the front office has shown me, at least in the first couple of weeks, and I may change my mind in two, three, three months (laughs) here. Okay. But I mean, like right now, if I could look at like the hot start of some of these players, they brought in talent that actually is elevating the team at the plate. They brought in stabilizing guys again. And Quintana was a stabilizing force last year. 
Hill's a stabilizing force right now. Even though there are people that are annoyed with him, he's keeping he's keeping an adequate amount of guys off base, and he's going to be Rich Hill, and I'm not really that worried about him right now, okay? I'm, I'm more concerned with, uh, let's find some guys that we didn't expect to break out. Oviedo's one of those. Let's see uh, Contreras and Keller continue to get better. Let's see some of the guys that are in the minor leagues that are expected to compete to be in this rotation do something so they could take Vince Velasquez, who I can't find a positive thing about when I when I try to find like a positive stat. You know how I did that earlier with Contreras? Okay. Yeah. Like he's got a 535 feeling independent pitching, an 82 ERA plus, and a 1.575 whip. There's no good stat in there for him. There isn't one. I can't find I can find the positive in Mitch Keller. I can say, ah, oh, the whip's uh, pretty solid as the RA plus is a one fifteen. I can say oh, Rich Hill, look at him. He's got a one point three 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 whip. I can say, oh, Oviedo, he's got the one point two oh whip and he's got an ERA plus of one seventy nine. Don't worry about this other thing here. I can even I can even point out the good about what Contreras is doing to kind of take away from the fact he's putting too many guys on base, right? I can't do that with Velasquez. So I'm also looking for the guys that are down the minors, somebody to come along and establish themselves as this is the guy that's taking that spot. Those are the things I'm looking for, and I'm looking for guys to 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 fill in and develop in up at the plate as well and on the field because what what I see early on with the additions is that they're very good, at least to this point, at evaluating talent that can come in and elevate the team and allow them to start to learn how to win. Imagine if they had enough money and the core developed properly, they could go out and get the right free agents to create a team that goes out and wins consistently all year long. Then you start off 10 and 7, and you're sitting there going, okay, we're 3 over 500. By the All-Star break, we'll be 10 over 500, and we're on our way to the postseason. I want to get to that point, and that's how you get there, Craig. But I'm seeing glimmers of hope early on in the season that you could sit there and sit back and smile and say it was a long rebuild, we're not done yet, but there's things to be happy about here. Yeah, and with Vince Velasquez, I mean, you're talking about not being able to see. I mean, he's part of those quality starts, but if you actually watch the game that he pitched in, he was saved by his defense. Like, there was, was it G1 Bay bouncing himself off of the wall in center field, making diving catches. There was guys falling all over the place, you know, for Vince Velasquez. And it's great that, you know, he was able to be a part of that. But like you said, he's also the type of guy that, you know, if he's not hitting his spots, it's terrible. And even when he does have a good game, you could see where it could have completely fallen apart for him. And I, I, I'm not even going to glimpse to do what he's doing just yet because I'm recording the game tonight while we're recording. So I, I'm going to be surprised. And I guarantee you there's at least – uh, one at least one other Chris Bryant home run because uh, he's smoking the ball I've seen so far this series, but there's a lot of positive stuff. I mean, I know that I, I don't know. I looked down in the minors, you know, Mike Burrows potentially being out for the entire season is a huge hit, but that's why you have like Quinn Priester and Luis Ortiz because in previous years, if a guy gets out, we were bringing up Cody Ponce for starts. So at this point in time, you're bringing up an Esvaldo Beto, who may have started to blossom early, you know, later in his career. He's about 27 years old. So there's that type of thing. But you also have the Priester. You have the Ortiz. You have Nicholas, you know, down in Altoona. There's there's more there that I'm not as worried. And like you said, somebody's going to have to take that Vince Velasquez spot. And if Rich Hill keeps pitching like this, 
there'll be a team that'll say, you know what, if I need that extra starter in the playoffs or, you know, don't want to pitch a guy on short days rest or whatever, they might be reaching out to him too. So you have to have a decent amount of these guys. Yeah, JT being out to me still is a, a pretty big hit to the team. I mention it almost every show. But, yeah, I mean, even the guys that are struggling, like you said, Chris, you can find some positives in it. And and hopefully, you know, the big one to me, and, and when we talk next week will be to kind of see what kind of week Cabrian Hayes has. He's been getting more hits. Most of them have been those singles, which are very sharp, you know, but I do want to see a little bit more of that elevation. I want to see more power, but maybe the other part of that, maybe that just isn't in there and maybe he can just be at least once again, a league average hitter. By the way, um, I, I just wanted to point out that Oviedo is relief pitcher eligible as a starter in our fantasy league. So that's even more valuable. How did you miss that? I usually look for those and I don't know how I missed that one. <laughs> I thought somebody had already picked him up because a lot of people, once people were announced as starters, started grabbing people and I must have just completely missed it because I picked up a couple pitchers and I didn't pick yeah. them up. Yeah, you did. Yeah, but you missed your boy there. I got him. I'll trade him to you. You just let me know what you want. All right? Yeah, and you'll you'll rip me off in the trade and I'll still finish in last place, but it's okay. <laughs> 